1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Recast on RotoViz Radio, brought to you by our good friends over at Blue Wire and the underdog fantasy, your home for best ball, pick'em, and more. And you can on over to the middle of the show, or the end of the show, or sometime in the quarter show. Who knows when it's going to happen? There's going to be a 100% bottom match somewhere in the show, if I can even speak words on this fine Tuesday. And you're listening to this on Thursday, hopefully. All right. Let's get into the show. Week four news, week four news and notes. Uh, Dan has, has put up a lovely show sheet for me as I was doing paperwork for my job, uh, as the kids say. Uh, so, oh, and Dan, I got to introduce Dan. He's part of this podcast. Dan, Sanyo, uh, FF Dynasty. Nice. Dan, actually, are you still? I changed, it
2: ba- I changed it. I changed. I just changed it back to my name because I'm not. I don't really tweet as much about fantasy as I did before. But yes, I, I'm. I'm here. Uh, I, I'm here more often than I think I am on Twitter. So that that's uh, probably good for me. I would I would say.
1: I think it's good for good for everyone if anyone is off of Twitter. The less people <laughs> on Twitter, the better. <laughs> that's true. Um, all right. So week four got some news and notes. Got some buy it deny it. Uh, very complicated uh, segments we have going on today. Ah, uh, first one. We're gonna do a bit of an RB corner breakdown. What's going on in the early season for the RBs? We have uh, some of the the veteran guys. The guys I think are coming. Yeah, the guys are coming up on that the uh, haunting second contract of Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. But as they come up on that contract, they're showing, hey guys, like you should still pay. You know, pay us is a relative term for running back. But Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders are being are showing why if you're going to pay a running back, these are two of the guys that you may want to pay RB seven and nine through the first four games. I've always been a a supporter of these guys, higher draft capital guys, guys that, you know, have always been, it seems like less valuable than their fantasy points. Therefore, guys that I'm targeting, especially at the running back position. So where are you at with Jacobs and Sanders so far? I I think that Sanders is a little bit more of a surprise than than Jacobs, uh, but both have played very well.
2: Well, it was kind of a weird off season. I mean, I've always, I've always been higher on Jacobs, uh, you know, even without the pass catching in production with uh, under Gruden for most of the part for most of the time. And, and now with McDaniel uh, there, it seems to be slightly different. I mean, we're only talking about 14 targets, but 12 for 90 is, I mean, that's decently substantial. So especially through four games for Josh Jacobs, who historically hasn't been used in the passing game. So I've always kind of thought Jacobs belonged in, you know, not not the top tier, but kind of one of those nearby secondary tiers. Um, and yes, the contract is is coming. We'll see. At this point, running back in the league has turned into, like, Tiny Tim, please, sir, may I have another? Uh, so that that's going to be an interesting one. I still think... Vegas is is good for him, especially now uh, with kind of the new regime ish in play, and them actually using him. Where Miles Sanders, I was, and I never really doubted his ability in space with the ball in his hands. Get him the ball, create a play for him. Miles Sanders to me was never somebody that was going to create for himself, but if you build it, he'll get points. You you get him space, you get him some looks. Um, and the one big downfall for Sanders over the last uh, you know, season or two is Jalen Hurts. He's, he's hawking all of the rushing upside in that offense. And yet, here's Miles Sanders with, with 350 yards through you know, the first month of the season. He does have three touchdowns, which if you would have given me an over-under, I would have set it at .5 uh, to start the season through four weeks because it just it seems like it's always hurts all the time. And I think both of these guys were, well, maybe not Sanders. Jacobs definitely was undervalued. I think Sanders, because of what Jalen Hurts did to his upside, um, was still low, but not as absurd as Jacobs got. So I think both of these guys were definitely too low on... um, I I don't necessarily think that either one of them is an RB1, but I do think they're both high-end RB2s at this point.
1: Yeah, and they've both... I don't think this was ever necessarily a concern with, with Jacobs, but I think it might've been with Sanders, whether, they, whether they're with their current teams or elsewhere in 2023, they've both played their ways into, they should be getting RB one touches in 2023, which was a semi-concern for, for both of them, more so for Sanders. Cause I mean, we didn't even know if Sanders would get RB one touches this year with the presence yeah. of Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott. And just more so the fact that the Eagles haven't been consistently giving a, a ball to an RB one per se, but Sanders is playing his way into more touches with Philly, and he's playing his way into more touches wherever he is in 2023. So I think that the biggest winner between these two is Sanders because his floor got to where it was, um, and his potential for 2023 was much much more uncertain, I think. Um, but I think both are definitely solid assets that I, I would assume you could probably still get these guys pretty cheap, like, you know, probably a late first, maybe – like a couple seconds. Like I don't think either of these guys are going to have a huge price tag. Jacobs might be a little bit more expensive, but you know, very viable, especially with future pick capital. If, if this if you want to, you know, boost your RB position, which I mean, that is the, even the question of, of the, you know, and we'll talk about a little bit in buy-ins and, buy and I, but like the question is, do you even want good running backs anymore?
2: <laughs> well, yeah. But uh, honestly, these are the kinds of guys that you really should be targeting to, to get because they're cheaper but they're still performing. You're getting RB1 numbers out of RB2 value. So that's that's to me the kind of running backs I'm always chasing. The one thing that we'll continue to chase is more targets for these guys. I think both of them can do some special things with the ball in their hands in space out in the open. Uh, so hey, coaches, just get Jacobs and Sanders the ball in the air, out in the open. Let them let them move. Those are easy throws for Jalen Hurts to make. He can he can dump those off.
1: Yep. All right, let's go on to a rookie running back who is having a hot start to the season. Went from four points to eight points to 18 points to now 25.9 points with a 14 carry, 131 yard, one touchdown performance, as well as six receptions for eight yards. Uh, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> uh, but Damien Pierce, he, he was a guy who some people expected to possibly be a day two running back. He f- fell to day three, but he fell to day three Early day three, round four, pick two, into a situation that was very wide open. No one was really expecting Rex Burkhead to be any sort of a target or carry hog. So definitely an opportunity for Damian Pierce. And the question was, are the Texans going to be competitive and competitive enough to, to run the ball? And it seems like they're running the ball whether they're competitive or not. Um, so with Pierce, I think that he falls into that window of like probably like RB8 to like RB16 to where the eight is his absolute ceiling ceilings of day three pick. Um, but his floor isn't really that low either though, because he's going to be the Texans running back. I don't see a team like that. They're going to be investing in quarterback. They're going to be investing in defense. I don't see them investing in a a high end running back in 2023. Granted, we've been proven wrong with that, with like the Michael Carter pick with the Jets in 2021, we were like, they're not going to spend a high pick on a running back. And then they spent it on Brees Hall. Uh, but. As of now, I, I'm operating as if Damian Pierce is the RB1 for Houston over the next two years at least. And anytime you're the RB1 in an offense for two years, that puts you in top 16 running back territory.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with, with that. I just, I my biggest fear is that Houston's probably going to continue to be not very good. Davis Mills is wildly mediocre. He's He's, you know, he's good enough to probably be, uh, a high-end backup or a low-end starter, but I, I don't think I don't think he's long for that job, and I think that affects Damian Pierce a little bit. I do think that the starting running back in any NFL franchise is worthy of, you know, a, a top however many spot. Um, I'm not overly convinced that he's talented enough to kind of outplay the situation of Houston. But I do think that the volume is worth, you know, probably a, I would say, a top 60-ish startup pick. I think that's decently fair. Uh, top five rounds for those of you that aren't mathletes um, like Nathan. But uh, it's nice to see the, the last couple of weeks, the kind of the true progression of a breakout and, and get some, some real fantasy points up on the board. Uh, he is RB14 on the season at this point. And I, you know, I know this is dynasty, so the, the redraft scoring and the dynasty ranking should have no correlation, but that feels about right, Nathan.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that the with Pierce, what you're looking at is a guy who's not in the ideal situation, and that this is kind of what we've been saying about Detroit, that Whenever they get quarterback figured out, it's going to be you know the floodgates are going to open for Swift, Hawkins, and and ARSB, and, and and now James Williams as well. The, well I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But like they aren't even waiting for the new quarterback. Like Golf is just playing well enough to support that bevy of weapons. I don't know if Davis Mills can get to the Golf level of quarterback, but let's assume you know I'm pretty sure the Texans are on track to be a top two, top three pick right now, um, and that is going to be Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. So. Uh, put one of those guys in the Texans offense and I'm sure they're going to continue to build their wide receiver core. Hopefully John Mechie comes back from cancer. Okay. And then it's, it's exciting that the, the concept of a young offense building all these pieces around it, around a similar timeline is something that can, you know, create lots of value. You're seeing it with teams like the Bengals. You're seeing it with teams like the Philadelphia Eagles that when these players are all developing at the same time, things can escalate very quickly.
2: Absolutely. And, and in the short term, I think the one upside potentially for Pierce, if he can, if he can pull some of those targets away from Rex Burkhead or, or even the wildly mediocre receivers that are there outside of Brandon Cooks, uh, we could see even a, a steeper climb here. So uh, like you brought up, Houston is kind of set in for potentially an early, early round quarterback. They are the only zero win team in the NFL they do have a tie, so that uh, could end up hurting them down the stretch. but uh, yeah it's it's an interesting one for for Pierce. I, there was a lot a lot a lot of of you know content folks, people in the industry that were high on Pierce because of the landing spot. Uh, there was you know some of the you know kind of the sleeper picks, but to me it, it was it's a little bit surprising to see him doing as well as he's doing and I, I, yeah I, I think he's just a mid rb 2 with room to grow, depending on what Houston does as a team. I just, I fear that they're going to be really bad and, and not be able to run it as much as they'd like to.
1: All right, let's move on to a player that's finally bouncing back from an early, you know, uh, late preseason injury from 2021, is now playing in 2022, played his first game against the Patriots, uh, J.K. Dobbins, seven seven rushes for 23 yards, two catches for 17 yards. And then we got a breakout. Uh, Buffalo Bills. Um, the the Ravens got off to a, a big lead early and ended up blowing it. But J.K. Dobbins 13 k- carries for 41 and a touch for four receptions for 22 and a touch. I'm I'm very hesitant on on J.K. Dobbins. Similarly to our reasoning for Jalen Hurts or to, to Miles Sanders to Jalen Hurts is that yes we like the running offenses, but there does seem to be some of that capped upside with the rushing touchdowns and even like the rushing on like third down and things like that. Um, but also my, my main hesitance with Dobbins is that it does seem like he is very much like the, the truther type player that if you don't have JK Dobbins already, the guy who has them has been holding him on with a death grip for three years. Uh, so that's where I'm at with Dobbins is I'm, I don't think he's necessarily a, a buy because most of his managers are the ones who, have been waiting for him to be the Ravens RB1 and, you know, be this big breakout star and which he started to do in, in, in in late 2020. But I don't necessarily buy him as any sort of like top five talent. And I think that's probably where his price is going to end up being.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm right on board with you. I actually think uh, not only is this not really the time to buy, I actually think it's a good time to sell. Uh, If he gets one more week under his belt where he's scoring, you know, 20 ish fantasy points. Um, I, I think it's just going to be free value coming your way if you do decide to sell. The, the stat line itself is very underwhelming. I mean, 13 carries for 41 yards and four catches for 22 yards, but hit two touchdowns. Now, if you're new here, those usually go to either Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews. Uh, we're hope, hoping that they eventually go to Rashad Bateman. But there's the, the, the yardage and the catches... Are seem to seemingly always spread out, but the touchdowns seem like they happen to a very small number of folks. So, I I'm selling J.K. Dobbins, uh, regardless of my of my you know potential trutherism as a J.K. owner. I think I think that if we see one more game of good production, it's it's going to be just the easiest cash out you could you could ask for. Similar to how it should have been for all of you with Kyle Pitts when he was a top three dynasty startup pick.
1: Yeah, well, maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. But <laughs> I, I, I'm buying
2: pile, 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 Kitts and and he, Kyle Pitts. He is pile Pitts for sure. He is a pile.
1: Um, but yeah, I'm al- I would also be selling J.K. Dobbins if this bump from a two touchdown game is is catapulting him into top six, top seven running back territory. But I think it's tough to sell running backs right now. So we'll, we, I'd be interested to see what the market is for for Dobbins right now. Next, we'll go to the, the Patriots RB tandem, Damian Harris, Ramon Stevenson. Can they coexist? The question that, that Dan Senio poses. My my answer to that is they can coexist as long as you have very temperate expectations. You shouldn't expect these guys to be putting up RB, RB1 RB weeks. You shouldn't be expecting them to be being RB2s every single week. I think the general expectation when you're starting Damian Harris and Ramon Stevenson – should be like an 8 to 12-point week, and maybe the occasional touchdown will will vault them into like a low-end RB1 being like an 18-point week. So uh, if you need a nice floor play in your lineup each week, putting Harris and, and Stevenson are the play. If you're looking for a swing to the fences, is going to score 24 points play. I don't think you're going to see that outside all like your multiple touchdown weeks.
2: Yeah, I think these guys are you know, ideal for a zero running back build. I, I think they're both priced in a very, very palatable way. Um, And and, like you said, they're never going to blow you away with how many points they score. But because of new England and the nature of the team, I feel like that floor is one of the, the safer floors in the league at a position. That's just historically how it's always been with new England. The running backs have always scored points. We never known who was going to get what, uh, who's going to be RB one, a who's going to be RB one B if there's a workhorse, if there's a pass catcher, you know, whatever. I, I just feel like the points are essentially free. Now, they're they're probably not going to win you a week, but they're going to help you to not lose a week, if that makes sense. You're, you're not going to lose because of them. You're going to be leaning on your build of your very good wide receivers that you should have been drafting instead of all of those running backs in the first four rounds.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's where you're, you know... Building a floor to your weekly lineup by putting a Damian Harris and Armand J Stevenson. So yeah, I think it's it's very much the people who are going to be disappointed by by Harris and Stevenson are ones that aren't setting their expectations properly. Um, next, let's go to a sad incorrectness for Nathan Powell. Um, Baker Mayfield, he's bad. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I I think here's the problem with quarterbacks and Nathan Powell is. Nathan Powell likes to draft based on draft capital. And I think that legitimately quarterbacks are the worst position to draft in the NFL draft if you want accuracy. There are so many flaming busts especially in the top 5, top 6, top 7 picks that guys like Baker Mayfield are, you know, more more frequent than the the Josh Allen, more frequent than the Lamar Jackson. And so You know, I'm just going to swing on these guys that are top picks, and occasionally I'm going to, you know, land on on a success, but also I'm going to land on a Baker Mayfield. So, um, could he be a a cheap buy for QB points? Sure. Um, It's one. It's one of those like he is entering the Jared Goff territory. He's entering like it might even be below that because Goff is actually scoring points right now. (laughs) But the Jared Goff, the Davis Mills, like the guys who literally only have value based on their starting job, and. I know Matt Rule was an idiot. Um, he is very bad at his job. And he tried to allude to the fact – he tried to allude this week to the fact that, yes, Sam Darnold uh, – yes, Sam Darnold is eligible to come off IR, but he's not healthy yet. So people are trying to construe that into him saying – Matt Rule saying that if Sam Darnold could come back this week, that he would potentially be the starter. I, I'm i not sure about that part. <laughs> Sam Darnold, another guy who was a high-draftical quarterback that I – capital quarterback that I have plenty of. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Baker's at least going to get the year, and then he might have to like start taking the the Chase Daniel uh, career path of trying to be a backup quarterback to somebody who he can't possibly supplant. Which putting Baker Mayfield on the Chase Daniel uh, career path is not something I would have expected two to three years ago.
2: Yeah, that's uh, a that, that's a little further of a stretch than I definitely would have made. I, I was I, I I loved Baker, you know, early on it started to sour you know, with time. And, and I had a higher hopes for Carolina as well. I mean, the weapons are there. I, I, I guess I overestimated what kind of a coach Matt rule was and what that offense could look like. Um, and even with that Baker has still looked pretty darn bad regardless of, of the coaching. Um, you know, the silver lining is he has the same number of touchdown passes as Jalen hurts. So Uh, maybe there's some correlation to some points there or something. I I don't know. Grasping at straws in hopes that, you know, I don't have to drop Baker at the end of the season because he loses his job to Sam Darnold. Um, yeah, I, I, think it's officially, uh, Baker Mayfield has become, you know, the waiver wire quarterback that you use to stream quarterback on your teams where you, you know, Dak is hurt or Tua is hurt or whoever. Uh, I, I think that's the the stage we're at in, in the Baker Mayfield saga.
1: And also the stage we're at is that he's ruining DJ Moore and I hate him.
2: Yep. Also true. Also true.
1: All right. Next we'll go to the commanders, pass catchers. Curtis Samuel has had a nice start to the season. Jahan Dotson scores lots of touchdowns and Terry McLaurin is doing Terry McLaurin things. Um, the question of is, is the production sustainable? I, uh, Kind of like, I think that the commanders are a bad enough team that they're going to have to be pass heavy. It seems like, like, Wentz is on a similar path to the Jared Goff, like, productive while losing type of you know strategy. Um, I think that the difference between Goff and uh, obviously, both have you know very good weapons around them. Goff and Wentz here is I think that Goff has a higher weekly floor, whereas. When we when we see bad wins, which I'm sure we'll see plenty of, when we see bad wins, it's there's going to be like ten completions for ninety two <laughs> passing yards, and when you have ninety two passing yards, you can't have a you know legitimate fantasy weapon. So I, I think that the floor weeks for these guys are going to be a little bit lower than than we would want from players of that talent level, but I think that the high weeks are still going to be high, the medium weeks are still going to be median. It's the low weeks that are going to kill you.
2: Well, I think. I think the big thing here for all of these guys is the value. I I feel like all of them are relatively cheap because yes, they play in Washington and yes, Carson Wentz is their quarterback. But right now uh, Curtis Samuel is seventh in the league in receptions 11th in targets. So he's kind of on that Jarvis Landry, you know, trajectory, which I'm totally fine with. I'll take all the catches for 60 yards and hopefully he scores here and there. Um, and I I always kind of have been and will continue to be a Curtis Samuel fan. So that's not really helping me in this situation to like not go way too high on him. Um, the Dotson bit, I think the touchdowns probably are unsustainable. I think the one the one big change we could see here is McLaurin getting a little bit more usage. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that he's, you know, not being targeted or anything like that. But I, I feel like he's kind of almost playing third fiddle here now he's out targeting Dotson but uh, it, it feels like they're really only using McLaurin down the field he's only converting about 50 percent of his of his targets so that's not ideal but going 14 for 250 and a touchdown uh, in, in four games you know again not probably where we want him to be but on the other end of that we're we're looking at uh, Curtis Samuel, who has fewer yards and twice as many catches, and that's where all of his fantasy points are coming from. So Curtis Samuel is being used essentially as that dump-off running back option that we, you know, had hoped was going to be Antonio Gibson for a little while. Uh, now I'm kind of glad it's Curtis Samuel. It feels like he's doing probably more than than Gibson maybe would have. But um, I think I think the ceiling play here is probably Dotson for the long run. Uh, I think the absolute floor is is Curtis Samuel. And, you know, the the safest pick, I think, to retain the most value is, is probably just going to be Terry McLaurin because he starts out with the most. And I really don't think he can lose much in the situation unless they stop targeting him altogether, which seems very unlikely. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic moving forward, but I, I think it may just end up being a, a McLaurin and Samuel-led offense and then everything else is kind of, you know, secondary to them.
1: All right, let's move on to a little bit tight end talk. Uh, TG Hawkinson, I think, had like one of like the top five fantasy tight end days ever. Um, <laughs> uh, alluding back to the Jared Goff uh, is a, uh, a freak with the garbage time type stuff going on. <laughs> and and this is the complicated part. Uh, TG Hawkinson, his last I would say T.J. Hawkinson's last, you know, year and a half has been a joke. Like when he's been healthy, he's been, you know, playing well. Uh, and then when he, when he got hurt, Amon Ross St. Brown became the greatest wide receiver ever. And then when Amon Ross St. Brown was hurt in week four, TJ Hawkinson became the best tight end ever. Um, so I, the question of is, is T. G. Hawkins, TJ Hawkinson tight end too? He's not um, because Monroe St. Brown still exists. Jameson Williams will be back eventually. Is he just not coming back this year? Like what is, do we have a status on him?
2: I haven't heard anything recently, but, you know, usually you'd hope no news is good news. But in this situation, I think no news might be bad news.
1: Yeah. And it's not even like if James Williams doesn't play a snap in 2022, it really doesn't matter sure. uh, for, for the Lions or really for fantasy. I'm sure that you can probably get him a little bit cheaper uh, in January, February. If he doesn't, And people are like, oh, is this guy ever going to recover? Yada, yada. Um, but I, I still I still think that that pitts and andrews are the top two tight ends in dynasty um i'm not off the kyle pitts train um you know i I think that pitts is going to eventually get the the targets he needs and deserves and hawkinson is still going to be you know barricaded by a bevy of other weapons going around him so and if if there was a world where swift and and arsb did not exist maybe hawkinson is tied too, but they exist so he's not
2: well uh, see the the one thing I think you're missing out on there is is potentially what Drake London could be. I think Atlanta is hoping that Drake London is to Atlanta what Amon Ra is to Detroit. Um, you know, maybe a a late first year or an early second year breakout. You still have that that super dynamic tight end that you're going to hopefully get the ball to. My but, but
1: Cordero Patterson is not DeAndre Swift,
2: and and that's. That's totally fine, and and he's not even Jamal Williams, but the the thing here is they're actually trying to get TJ Hawkinson involved, even with the other players being there i mean i I can see T j Hawkinson averaging fifteen fantasy points a game way before I could see Kyle Pitts doing it. They're not making Kyle Pitts a focal point of this offense a very bad one at at that and And there's really no one to throw to outside of Drake London. So while I think Kyle Pitts is the most talented tight end, not only is he way overpriced, he's also not even being used. So um, I I think the inconsistencies of Kyle Pitts is going to turn him into essentially Amari Cooper, uh, where he has a huge week and then disappears. And then three weeks later, he has another huge week and then a couple of mediocre ones. I don't think he can be as consistent as a TJ Hawkinson can be. I think he can have a a super high floor and even with a limited ceiling barring injuries. uh, I, I still think I'm taking TJ Hawkinson here. Yeah, he's four years older, but when you look at the landscape of, of tight end, there's really no one young outside of Pat Fryermuth and Kyle Pitts. So TJ Hawkinson's kind of right in the middle. I think he's in that kind of approaching prime. I know that, we always kind of look at about 27, but where Mark Andrews is right now is kind of like peak prime for most players and tight end historically takes forever to get there. Uh, but he's two years younger than Dallas Goddard. He's five years younger than Darren Waller. He's you know four years younger than George Kittle. So I, I just feel like because of the production we are getting now and, you know, your favorite draft capital, Hawkinson was taken up there as well. We can't forget that. I just, I I don't see how we can't bump him up because he is still young and he's in a decent situation, a significantly better situation than Atlanta. Um, and you know, not having anyone to throw to normally is a good thing for pass catchers in in hopes to get more targets. But when you also don't have anyone that can throw and there's nobody to throw to, uh, it's just a recipe for disaster. So I'm actually bumping TJ Hawkinson up. I, I do think, um, Kyle Pitts still has the highest ceiling of arguably any player ever because of how talented he is. I just don't know if he can get out of Atlanta uh, in one piece.
1: Yeah. With that being said, I'm still going to be hammering the overs on Kyle Pitts on Underdog Fantasy for the rest of the year, (laughs) and I'm going to lose money responsibly every single week. How can I go about losing that money, Dan?
2: Well, you can head on over to underdogfantasy.com and – you know, you can play the pick 'ems, you can run the parlays in there, the the, the pick 'em bets. I turned $10 into 200 this week. No big deal. I hit my I think five or seven legs I, I I'm not good at the math. Um, but they all landed. We we, you know, we finally found ourselves a W there, but if you're, you know, similar to most of the people that play an underdog, you'd be finding W's left and right. It is so much fun. You can still do the, you know, the in-season best ball games, the, three, the three-man um, drafts, the six-man drafts. They have all the pick-em stuff in multiple sports, everything you could ask for in one place in a super easy-to-use app. Just head on over to Underdog Fantasy. You use our code ROTOVIZ, that's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, and Underdog is matching your very first deposit up to $100. There's endless opportunity with that $100. You could turn that $100 into more dollars, and it's free. All you got to do is put in some of your money, and they'll match it 100% up to $100. So, again, that's promo code R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, RotoViz, and underdogfantasy.com. Underdog, we love you.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member all
1: Alrighty, now let's get into buy it or deny it or who did supply it. Um, we have Jalen Hurts is a top five QB in Dynasty. I will start us off. I'm denying this. I am not denying this because I don't think he's worth like top five value. I'm denying it because I just simply have five quarterbacks that I can't rank below him. Um, So these are the guys that without a doubt, I'm not going to move below Jalen hurts at least until the end of the season. Lamar Jackson's one, Josh Allen is two, Patrick Mahomes is three. Kyler Murray is four. Justin Herbert is five. That, That's the list of five that aren't going to go below Jalen Hurts at this time. And Joe Burrow is the really one that, like, I would say Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts at this stage are, like, tied for sixth in my rankings. And based off your expression, you think that the Kyler being cemented above Hurts may be Fugazi.
2: That was a yikes moment for me. Not only do I not believe in Kyler, I don't believe in Cliff or the Arizona Cardinals. I think things will get better when DeAndre Hopkins returns. Um, but that to me again feels like just a super inconsistent player with a really high cost and the one consistency we've had over what seems like the you know the, the better part of two years has been Jalen Hurts and fantasy points and I'm, I'm gonna say it Nathan I was very wrong I'm not wrong about him still not being a very good thrower of the football he's actually kind of bad at that but They make it work, and when you have Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown and now kind of the return of uh, Miles Sanders, you still have Dallas Goddard. That is a scary team when you think about the athlete that is Jalen Hurts. So, not only do I have him above Kyler, I have him in a dead heat with Lamar. Um, I I have a lot of faith in that Eagles offense and, and what they've been doing. I think they can start to convert a little bit more of these red zone touchdowns in the air rather than on the ground. I know, historically speaking, the last couple of years with Jalen Hurts, a lot of the touchdowns have come on the ground. But it it seems to me that they're making a real effort to show Hurts can be a pocket passer and they can convert through the air and they can do what they want through the air. Um, So while I think Lamar is a better runner, I think Hurts has more opportunity and is potentially a better passer at this stage.
1: So I'm going to paint this picture, and this is my still my probably naive, probably uh, ignorant concern, but here's a picture I'm painting, that the New Orleans Saints are one of the worst teams in the NFL. The New Orleans Saints end up with a top five pick in the NFL draft. That pick ends up being in the Eagles' hands. C.J. Stroud or uh, Bryce Young end up at the pick that the Eagles – are making. And in this scenario, in this scenario, the Eagles end up going 11 and 5 or 11 and 6, 12 and 5 and they lose in the wild card round maybe the the divisional round. Is there any chance and obviously it probably is wildly dependent on what Hurts looks like in that 12 and 5 season, but is there any chance they pull the trigger on that quarterback of the future saying, "Okay, yes Hertz is fine." But what if we have an elite quarterback with this group of
2: weapons? I think I'm at the point now where Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the future. I think he's he's done enough and this team has been successful enough in in the amount of time he's been the starting quarterback that we know that they're going to be good. We know that Hurts is going to get it done with his legs and if he needs to with his arm. Um, he 's only twenty four he's he 's the youngest i think amongst that top tier outside of trevor lawrence who's he he 's a year older than um so i think that to me is probably going to end up being the the deal breaker if he was twenty eight uh maybe that 's a little bit different because i I think we maybe see the the running prowess start to slow a touch um but yeah, I, I think if they do end up having a top three to five pick from New Orleans, that ends up being either a great return for a trade, or which Howie has been known to do and is very good at, or they just get an absolute monster at another position. So, I yeah, um, I I can't believe how wrong I was on Jalen Hurts as far as what he could do in this league, but. Uh, he's he's got it. <laughs> he's he's got what we're after uh whether it's just real football or fantasy football. Uh he's, you know, I, I'm taking Allen, I'm taking Mahomes, I'm taking Herbert, then I'm taking Hurts and then I'm taking Lamar.
1: Wait, Hurts over Lamar? Right now, yeah. Holy, mo- I don't know about I, all that.
2: It's it's the it's the weapons. If if Lamar, if Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens utilize Rashad Bateman more like they utilize Mark Andrews, I feel like this is a different situation. But I, I think the floor of Hertz legs and the ceiling of his arm and what his arm has become and that passing offense has become with the weapons, I, I don't think the ceilings are close. I think Lamar is always going to outrush him. But I think Hertz is now always going to outpass Lamar.
1: All right, let's go on to – we talked a little about Pierce, and we'll add CEH in the conversation of both being – RB ones, are we buying it or denying it? My first take here, I, like I said, Pierce is a top sixteen running back, so I'm I'm basically buying that he is an RB one in Dynasty. Ceh, I'm not buying at all. Um, Isaiah Pacheco looks like the better running back in that in that backfield. Yes, he he's not getting the volume quite yet, but Ceh, to you know, is being supported greatly by touchdowns. Granted, those are touchdowns. He's going to continue to score as as far as we know in in that Chiefs offense, but I'm still not any sort of bullish on Ceh's long-term outlook, whether it's the rest of this year or even beyond this year. Like he's gonna have enough that, like, if you're really breaking down step by step, like he probably should be in that like 10 to 12 range of RBs. But I'll be honest, I'll sacrifice the production this year and I'll I'll take a guy who I think is going to be more productive in in future years than Ceh rather than Ceh. So um, I think it's fringe, like. If I, if I were to sit there and rank running backs, I'd assume that C.H. would end up being in that like 14 to 18 range. So I'd say just outside RB1 territory.
2: Yeah, I'm on I'm the deny side as well. I, I think both of these guys are products of uh, their situation and opportunity rather than ability. I, I don't think either one of these guys is like uh, possibly top 30 as far as the talent thing goes. But when you consider the free volume that they're getting, uh, in you know one amazing offense and one bad offense, but it's still it's still volume. It still touches. Um, I think both are are firmly in that mid RB two range. Ceh could move his way up if he continues to do it and he gets more consistent with or without the touchdowns. I think what we need to see is is some nice floor lines and some efficiency out of him. Uh, at this point, it is basically. I feel, it feels like touchdown or bust for, for CEH because they just don't, again, kind of like how I, I felt with Miles Sanders. I I feel like it needs to be created in front of him. Uh, I don't feel like he's creating for himself. So what Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes can do for uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire in front of him, that, that's going to be everything and, and provide essentially all of his value. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm denying this. As, as, I don't think either one of these guys in RB1.
1: All right. And we'll wrap up the show with, this is a take that Ryan McDowell uh, tweeted out. I think uh, Anthony Amico um, and talked about it as well. Dice startups should only should consist of only wide receivers in the first round unless Superflex. I'm not there yet. Uh, I think Jonathan Taylor is still very much uh, RB1 in Dynasty, uh, a top 12 asset in Dynasty in one quarterback leagues. Um, And I think Swift is probably there, too. So I think Swift and and Taylor, Taylor and Swift, uh, shout out Taylor Swift, um, still belong in that range, albeit in like the 10 to 12 range, but still in the first round uh, in in one quarterback leagues.
2: See, I'm and I feel like we've got we kind of both have a similar uh, startup strategy where we're hammering the young wide receivers early. Uh, And and it's hard for me not to think about that and and, you know, kind of push that narrative on whether or not a running back should be taken in the first because Jonathan Taylor probably should be taking taken in the first. If it's me drafting at unless I'm 10, 11 or 12 and Taylor's still on the board, I'm not taking a running back at almost ever. I would even make the argument in super flex. I might not take one of the first two rounds, even if Jonathan Taylor was still there. I think there are plenty of quarterbacks that provide more. I think there are plenty of wide receivers that are going to provide more for longer. RB has become the dead zone that it was 15, 20 years ago. Um, now there's hope that, that this, you know, the coming class, uh, the 23 class is going to provide a little bit of, of youthful juice for, for the running back uh, field as it was. But I, I don't think there's really any saving. it. I mean, Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, when he breaks off a 60-yard touchdown, has been fine. CMC's not CMC. Nick Chubb has been nice. DeAndre Swift, when healthy, has been nice. We're also seeing Jamal Williams do just as much, if not more, in that Detroit offense. Um, So I'm at the point now where I'm probably not even thinking about running back until, like, round six. Uh, And as far as round one goes, I think we've seen a lot out of guys like Jalen Waddell. Uh, A.J. Brown is moving way up for me. Debo Samuel still belongs. You have the obvious ones and Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. I still think C.D. Lamb is up in that situation, up in that conversation. I don't think I'm taking C.D. over Taylor like I would have been uh, you know, a, a, probably a couple of months ago. But I still think guys like D.K. Metcalf are put, being pushed way too far down. I think he ha- has a real stance up there, and I think we're approaching where Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and um, um, who Drake owns? London, Drake London. I think these guys are all making that push to move up. Once, once we get a little bit more consistency, once that, you know, that, that rookie of them kind of starts to fade and they become true NFL players. I I think we are at a, at a point now where unless the production just entirely falls off and even some of those older wide receivers have potential to move up and above the running backs. I, I think we are in a wide receiver dominated spot where, if you're not getting one of the top guys, one of these guys that are averaging 20 a game, that i think you're in a in a in a tough spot at a you know, as deep as the position is, you still need that high end of of the wide receivers whereas i think running back is becoming much more shallow. Uh yeah, it'd be nice to have Taylor or Barkley and one of those guys, but at the same time, i I would rather have the big the big boy wide receivers that carry all of that value that i could trade potentially for two other wide receivers and a starting running back and, and whereas it's not it's not true in in you know the reverse so i'm not trading jonathan taylor and getting the same return that i would be for justin jefferson and jamar chase so for me it's a big value thing wide receiver historically is always going to carry more value for a longer time
1: yep that makes sense all right uh so we head into week five almost the the, the third mark of the season uh any last words for today dan
2: this is the week where Travis ETN blows up.
1: It's not. It's really not. This is the week, Nathan.
2: <laughs> it's Pete. not. Let me, let me have something. It's it's James Robinson season, and that's what we'll
1: talk about next week. Kadoo
3: MyPatriotSupply.com